All right, hello and welcome to episode 35 of Prog Notes. My name is Destin. And I'm Drew. And today we are listening to Liquid Tension Experiment 3 by LTE. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. Our hope is to educate and inspire you to uncover and learn about progressive rock music. Uh, there are a lot of great podcasts out there, so we're very honored that you're with us today, and we would love to connect with you. So please give us a follow on Instagram or Facebook, or you can join our Discord server to talk to Drew and I, as well as many other fans of the show and Prog Rock. These links are all in this episode's description. And we always want to say thank you to our patrons for helping this show and these episodes happen. And if you enjoy our show and would like to keep us going, the link to join that is also in the description. So Liquid Tension Experiment, or LTE, is an American progressive metal supergroup formed by the drummer Mike Portnoy in 1997. The other members include guitarist John Petrucci, keyboardist Jordan Rudess, and bassist Tony Levin. The band has released three records, Liquid Tension Experiment 1998, Liquid Tension Experiment 2 in 1999 on Magna Carta Records. And of course, now we have Liquid Tension Experiment 3, which was just released on March 26th, 2021 through Inside Out Music. Hey everybody, this is Destin. We recorded this episode before the record label changed the release date of the album. So for the record, we just want to correct ourselves and say that this album was released on April 16th, 2021. Back to the episode. 22 years since their last studio release. And here to chat with us about that record in LTE is the one and only Tony Levin. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm very good. I like the applause. Thank you for the applause. Also my first time visiting your podcast, your, your broadcast. So thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. We're very excited for you to be here. And uh, it's, an, it's a real treat and honor for us to get to talk to you, uh, assuming that all of the fans of our show are progressive rock fans. And so your name <laughs> gets thrown around a lot because you're uh, basically, well, am, so. you've infected you like every artist and album out there <laughs> with your with your presence. <laughs> and uh, I also have to say as well, the last time I saw you uh, was in September of 2019 at the Ryman in Nashville. I saw King Crimson there with my wife uh, and we loved it. It was an awesome show. It was oh. the first time my wife got to see you guys. And Gavin Harrison is my favorite drummer of all time. So I was like, we get to see Tony. We get to see Gavin. We get to see Robert Fripp. It's going to be insane. And so it was a great show. It really so that it was, was awesome. So that was the the one woman in the audience. Okay. That's yeah, exactly yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I thought there was something weird about that. It was that like, show. who is that? No, I know. You brought hairs. your wife. <laughs> and she stayed the whole time. That's a congratulations oh, to you both. She uh, she fairly enjoyed it. It was it was interesting, but we we loved it. It was it was great. It was an, it was a birthday present, an early birthday present to me. So it was, it was a great show. Well, it was also uh, uh, Jeremy Jeremy's uh, birthday. One of our drummers, uh, Jeremy Stacy. Yes, it was his, his birthday that yep. night. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, before we jump into the album, I I just kind of want to give a, a little bit of context. Uh, just rewinding back to the mid '90s, you, you had a project with Bill Bruford. Uh, called Bruford Levin Upper Extremities, commonly referred to as Blue in the late 90s. Uh, you were also creating some more music with King Crimson in the mid 90s and touring with them as well. And uh, you played on Steve Hackett's Genesis Revisited. You had a lot going on and it seems like you always have a lot going on, which is awesome. Uh, but I'm curious, what, what led you to agree to be part of a, of a progressive metal side project back in, in 97? Did, did you have a desire to explore more of an intense metal sound? Since some of your previous band, you know, work with bands like King Crimson and Peter Gabriel wasn't wasn't as intense or metal driven. Yeah, I like the way you expressed it. I wish that was that I I wish I had said that. <laughs> the fact is, 
I, first aim, <laughs> how good is my memory from 23 years ago or yeah. anybody's memory? And B, uh, the mm -hmm. fact is I was, I was, it seems I was fairly busy, but I'm used to being busy. I was asked to collaborate in a new thing with musicians I respect. And that's the, that's the beginning and the end of it. What style it was, it wasn't like I was, oh, there's a chance to play that style. Didn't matter to me. Good musicians, chance to make good music. It's just the musicians already had the credit. Yeah. Uh, uh, even yeah. even if, if uh, I've, I've done projects and, and collaborations where I'm not completely, where I don't fit well into the style, but uh, hopefully they come out well. But more importantly for me, it's a learning experience, a growing experience. So I didn't think twice about doing it. And it turned out to be better than I expected it to be. And oh, yeah. better than we all expected it to be in the sense that we... We became, in my sense, uh, when we, you put together guys like that, I call it a. Pro I think of it as a project. King Crimson has had a lot of projects. Uh, Blue, Bruford, Eleven Upper Extremities, a project. Maybe you get to do a second album. You usually don't get to tour. Well, this one, the 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 hope and the potential came true because we did become a band. We're not a project. We're a band, even though we didn't, we can't tour too much because there are a few other priorities in the way. Uh, we still are a band, and we have a style that's kind of our own. And uh, that's 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 what you aim for when you get together with some other musicians. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. I think that's that's actually a pretty interesting differentiation between project and band. <laughs> Sometimes I use those synonymously, but I totally understand the sense of that was that was a project. That was fun. Kind of did it. Check the box. That was really cool. But you know, this was a band. There was a chemistry here and a relationship that we wanted to foster and continue to grow. So good word. Good word. Chemistry. The music that was created kind of took on a life. Usually it takes touring to do that. In my, in my, again, I'm saying only my opinion, when the music is worthwhile, it deserves to be played live and to change a little bit and to grow and to have me as a player, at least into my part, I, I kind of grow into it, it gets better. Uh, so this music deserved that and sometimes it deserves it and it can't happen just schedule-wise. But we were able to tour a little bit by continuing to do albums, we were able to kind of cement what it is we are as a band. It, it is only my, uh, interpretation of those words to call it a project or, yeah. or a band but you know I've done some very special projects uh, what comes to mind is Steve Stevens and Terry Bozio oh yeah uh, really great stuff and we made two albums we just weren't able to coordinate to make to do a tour and that right. led to less impetus less reason to do a, a third album yeah uh, right so really happy with the Quotention Experiment we've, we've done it well absolutely and I think everyone's happy with liquid tension experiment all the fans <laughs> yeah. and everything people are so excited for this I, you know i think most people probably know you with your work with king crimson and peter gabriel but this this project's also been very highly anticipated for a long time the first time i heard of lte was was back at a steve hackett concert in 2017 he was doing kind of a 40th anniversary of wind and wuthering which is the last record he played on with genesis uh and there was an older guy and you know he saw my king crimson shirt this exact same shirt he you know i think he was also just startled not to see that shirt on someone who was be below the age of, you know, like 35. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he asked me, he was like, oh man, you like Crimson, man, have you, have you heard of Liquid Tension Experiment? And that name stuck with me because I was like, that's a very interesting, that's a very interesting, no, I haven't. He goes, oh yeah, Tony Levin's in it and some other people from Dream Theater. It's really, really cool. But not just that, everywhere online, people are talking, they're back. LTE's back, guys. They're back. Yeah, and I just yeah. wanted to say, I think it's just so great that there's so much excitement for this. You know, even after 22 years, sometimes with groups and projects, even that you really like, if there's not that momentum, kind of that excitement and hype gets 
you know, reduced in, in some way. Not with this, sure. though. And I think that's great. Everyone's well, we really excited. We certainly lost our momentum for, for 10, <laughs> 10 or 15 or 20 years there. Right. But that's okay. And, and uh, there's really no story or logic to it. But we were in touch. We're friends. And we had played together in different groups, in different groupings. Uh, so musically, I was in touch with the guys. And it just kind of didn't come up. And then with the with the year of the lockdown, guess what? It came up. I think it was Jordan Rudess's idea. Oh, wow. He and Mike Portnoy. I, I do know this one. When they, maybe it was, I forget exactly, maybe early June, when they wrote to John and, and to me saying, what do you think? And we were like, ah, no question. Let's do this. The year turned from very dark to pretty bright. It was a, a big right. ray of sunshine. Yeah, if we can find a way to safely get together and do that album, this year won't have been a total loss ever since we were unable to tour. Yeah. So we felt very good about it. We were very careful. And uh, the logistics were kind of tricky about getting together in the studio for about two or three weeks to, to write and record the material. Right. And the, the surprise to us when we got together was right. It had been a while since the four of us were in a room, been a little, quite a while. Yeah. Maybe 2008 when we did a tour together. Right. So the surprise was it felt like it had been two days. We came in the night before and got our li the lines going and the sound, and we had a little bit of chatting and saying hi and stuff. As soon as we went in the studio and plugged in, and, J and John said, hey, here's an idea I have, which was, was uh, hypersonic at the beginning, but it was immediately, it was like it was like we had been recording for weeks. You know? That's amazing. So we, yeah, yeah, it's the chemistry of those guys. When we're together, we are who Liquid Tension is. We could do different things, more jazzy things, more... Uh, just other styles in other contexts but we don't have to try or discuss it when we're together it's liquid tension and that's good i mean for me i like uh, the bands i like not only are, are it's good music of course yeah and exciting music but they have a sense of, of who they are and they have kind of a uniqueness to them yes and i believe that we have that yeah definitely 100 and just to tack on to that I, I know destin and i have talked about on this show before I forget exactly when, but at one point we had discussed this idea of like, one thing I really enjoy about progressive rock and just some music in general is the idea of a band rather than, you know, an artist. An artist can produce amazing, wonderful music. When you have that band, something as, as simple as just the moniker, just the name of the band, but there's kind of that unifying feeling and you kind of have that chemistry. And it's just, that's wonderful to hear that you guys have that chemistry, so. And, and also speaking of that, of. What you hear when you listen to the record, when I listen to this music, and I think it would be true of the, of the fans who listen to it, I get a sense of four players. It's, it's it, you know, There's the piece and it's the excitement of it, but before the end, it helps when the piece is 10, 12 minutes Yeah, long. right. <laughs> before the end of it, you have a sense of, okay, that that's drummer does this, boy, and the keyboard, yeah, he had his time. Uh, uh, instead of, hopefully it is unified also, but I like that you, you with our records, with Liquid Tension, you seem to, get a sense of the guys absolutely pretty pretty special yeah Definitely. because in certain areas and bands and stuff like that and i'm just going to use this because the first one that came to mind somebody like stephen wilson which you played on two of his records that he had but it's it's stephen wilson and then there's kind of the rest of the band that's as there it should be. Yeah. as it should be exactly <laughs> like drew was saying with just having that band there's personalities the first band i'm thinking of is yes the personalities of every single one of every single member of that band is shown in every single song. Yeah. And that's so much fun to listen to distinct. because as a musician, it's fun because you can pull out the parts, the individual parts. Drew being a bassist, I'm a drummer. And so I love doing that. 
but also you could just get the, it's flavorful. It really is. It's just flavorful music because there's just so much stuff that's going on between all the members, which is fantastic. And I love, I love that. I'm making notes of what I can uh, use in other interviews to describe. <laughs> flavorful. Yeah. Flavorful. <laughs> mm, I'm, 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 I'm drooling. That's great. <laughs> well, we, I think we were also, he's taking, he's taking, that's it. He's taking prog notes. He's taking he, prog notes on <laughs> prog notes. Oh yeah, you thought you were you were you thought you were interviewing me? Oh no, <laughs> I, I'm here to get some some tips on how to describe my own music. That's awesome! Oh my gosh! Um, so it's it's been as we said before, it's been 22 years since you released a, a new studio record, uh, which is, I think, as we stated before as well, is stylistically quite distinct from other projects that you've played with. I'm curious, just how was the last 22 years of playing bass? affected your contributions to this record? Did you approach it differently than the first or the second one? Have you learned some new things stylistically, technically, maybe new inspirations? Is there anything in that area? Wow, I, I, very good question. I haven't thought about that. Uh, my playing is, is my playing. I hope I've got a little more musical and certainly more experience in 20 <laughs> years, but I'm not, I'm not really capable of judging that. Yeah, I'll tell you what's absolutely. changed with all of us, too, not just me, is my sound. I'm always tweaking it and changing it and, and trying to mm. evolve with it and trying to be progressive with it. And, and it's not that I have the answers to anything, but I, my sound is certainly growlier and, and more distorted than it was even in the default, not distorted part is more distorted. That's just the nature of this kind of music. And it's not much of a change for 20 years. If I had been, if I had started on day one and changed it, I, it would be unrecognizable now. Uh, frankly, I, I don't, it's a great question, but I don't often, think back and try to compare what I did then to what I do now. I think yeah. what's the same is I reacted then to the music around me, to the, what the other guys were playing. They're amazing technicians and they're amazing musicians at making up music. And that's the same now. I, I don't come in like, okay, it's liquid tension. I'm going to do this and this. I do bring the Chapman stick because it's, it, it, it's the sound of that as a bass uh, really suits the fast stuff. I can play faster on it. And it kind of speaks very clearly down low. So aside from that, I don't come in thinking, okay, it's going to be this and I'm going to do this. I come in and, you know, John says he's got an idea and I listen to it and, and I do what I do. So that's the same. Uh, maybe I react yeah. a little differently than I did 20 years ago. Maybe not. I don't know. But what's the same as uh, to, to fashion a bass part. I do well without having a preconceived idea. Although I have, it's good to have a lot of tools around, a lot of bases to choose among. I listen to what's going on and then try to find something that uh, that connects with it and that improves it, hopefully. Absolutely. Right. That's so interesting because that's something that I've always been so fascinated with is your ability and skill to improvise. Obviously, you've done imp improvisation live with Stickman and Hobolima and some of these other projects yeah. that you've done. That stuff to me is, I find it so interesting to be in that headspace because for somebody like me, I get kind of bored after maybe an hour of doing stuff like that. I feel like I'm creatively drained and I just like the word that you used there that you said react. You're just reacting to the other musicians around you, which which almost kind of fuels. It's, it almost creates a spiral effect because everybody's mm -hmm. just reacting off of each other. And that's that's a really interesting idea. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And you mentioned you mentioned you mentioned Hobo Lima, a really good band that we we different than other bands I've done with, with uh, Alan Holdsworth and Harry Bozio, Pat Maslow yeah. and myself where our rule from the beginning is we're only going to improvise. And I don't mean jam, I mean improvise. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. To me, jamming that's is kind of catch a groove and play on it. Improvising 
ideally means anything. And and exactly as you said, I got drained, uh, not emotionally drained. I got musically drained mm -hmm. the first set, which is somehow wow. we start playing, and usually it would last 40 to 48 minutes. I don't know why. And then we'd be Bleh. okay, take a break, come back. Okay, night after night, I, I the other guys were very creative, and I didn't need to play at all. That's a big help. Uh, yeah. Alan Holdsworth standing there across from me. It became quite a, it became an, a unique challenge for me, night after night on tour, to come up with something a little different than what how I reacted the night before, and, and yeah. so I really relate to when you said it can be draining, actually. Yeah. Not wow. not the case with with liquid attention experiment. Let me tell you, when we were doing the sessions, uh, it, we, we usually work from about 10 or 11 in the morning till 10 at night, but before wow. the end, if we were kind of done with the piece, uh, we'd go we'd jam just to. Not jam. We'd improvise. In other words, yeah. we just get him. You just play roll tape, uh, virtually roll tape. <laughs> we got tape to roll. <laughs> yeah. no. Right. Start recording, and, and we just play, and and that's a way to unwind, and also a way to get seed material for other pieces. And in the case of this album, there's a bonus album, a bonus CD with it of of some of those jams or improvs, and it was great having no no idea what we're going to play and what it's not going to be. To me, that's kind of a significant part of what liquid tension does we do it on our live shows too we all improvise in a, a loose way aside from it's nice having that that juxtaposition having both in, in on one album yeah oh yeah absolutely definitely and and speaking of the album uh we can jump into some of the stuff that that we noticed when we were, we were listening through this uh you know it retains a lot of the features that gave you know gave and does give lte such an iconic sound like the really fast synchronized riffs and rhythms between all the instruments these crunchy bright tones from everyone really but particularly the guitar and the keys and the incredible soloing from all of the members and just like the last two members even the album uh, cover last two albums uh, yeah exactly the album cover too and just like the last two uh there are some really interesting experimental moments the first thing that comes to mind are sections like you know the middle portion of rhapsody in blue where it kind of slows down a little bit the, the the track liquid evolution and chris and kevin's amazing odyssey um <laughs> love that one i i i have to say liquid evolution is is probably my favorite i just i heard it and i said oh yeah, this is this is really cool. This has this very interesting feel to it. The whole track is very delicate. There's like these wavering ambient guitar that that paints this just enormous backdrop, but in such a subdued way. And I love that. You know, the keys help the whole piece flow along with the drums, kind of adding this kind of tribal rhythmic feel to it. But honestly, the warm bass tone is just the the, the most. It's the centerpiece, I think, of the whole thing. It's the grooviest part. It just has this gravitational pull to it, and it's absolutely brilliant. I, I have to ask how you were able to shape that tone. Thanks. You're very, very kind. I know, I know, I know. I'm I melting. Know. I'm melting from the compliments. <laughs> very kind, and it's a nice piece, and, and one of those imp improv improvisational things that just came up. Uh, that's was, as I remember, there was sort of my default yeah. bass sound. I have a bunch of pedals and stuff, but I have a bass. Well, I had, I think, four or five basses in my little sound booth during the making of the album. And uh, that one, I, I reached for the one that was, uh, it seemed right for what, what was happening. Uh, so it's a, a music man Stingray sound is pretty, pretty standard. And it, you know, those of us who are right. bass players, you can make things warmer by moving your hand up a little. 
and maybe turning off some of the distortion pedals yeah. that I've been yep. using the rest of the day and the rest of the week. And it, again, it makes a nice uh, yeah. uh, contrast with some of the other hard edge bass sounds. Yeah, that's cool. And speaking of your gear, I, I saw, Absolutely. I couldn't help but notice this, but I was as I was watching the Passage of Time music video, it's it seemed like you were switching between Chapman stick and bass. Is is that something? Are you doing that kind of stuff mid song on tour? Is that something that you do often? I don't want to think about on tour till we're on tour. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I got en I got enough uh, to deal with. Uh, uh -huh. uh, the video I did I did my video afterwards. The other guys had cameras on them during the session. Gotcha. <clears throat> I think John had camera on him during his overdubs when he finished the part. Yeah. Uh, in my little booth, there was no camera, so I did that uh, right here and. Um, I'm playing along. There's no, there's no secret to it. I'm playing along with the music, and and I, the section I played on stick, I you know did a separate, separate thing of playing the stick. That's cool. Oh, live, live. Uh, this has come up before in stuff we did. Also with the funk fingers and or not funk fingers. Those are drum sticks I put in my fingers. Yeah. Uh, switching on and off fast is, is not the same live as it is on on the, on the doing the album. I'll think okay three-minute section where I want to play funk fingers. I'll play along, but later I'll overdub it with funk fingers. So uh, mm. making the recordings really different and typical in, in any band. I don't really think about how it's going to happen live until I have that challenge. And speaking yeah. of playing live, <laughs> there is, of course, no tour booked or planned yet. Right. But I hope there will be the 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 kind of the one of the things about a band like this one where everyone is in other bands is, as everyone knows, Dream Theater, has its schedule, uh, King Crimson has a schedule, maybe Peter Gabriel, Stickman for sure. And what's Mike Fortner in about 50 bands? <laughs> yeah. So yep. uh, it, it becomes problematic to find a, a two week segment where we're all free. Having said that, in the past, we just left feeling like, well, it'll, maybe it'll happen someday. But this time, I, my, I'm not speaking for the band, but my feeling about the music and about this album was it was really good it came out really the way we want and the music deserves to be played live so this time i feel like we want to do a tour and it's just a matter of waiting till the planets are aligned the right way and all these bands give us a break which by the way you have to know about nine months beforehand in order to book the, the tours so it's not like mm -hmm. suddenly you can do it and book a tour like that uh, and then of course there's yeah. the covid and we all have tours booked for later this year but with an asterisk, right. and we hope they'll happen. Certainly, King Crimson is going to be busy almost for the rest of the year. And Stickman's going to have a Europe tour. But we don't know if those will happen. So will that extend into rescheduled things into 2022? We don't know at this point. But I'm happy to say that we feel like we want a tour. And probably, inevitably, if we stay healthy, there will be a tour. That would be awesome. That's great That'd to hear. That'd be great. Great to hear. It's also, like I think, after that third album... That's when you got enough content from all three of those records where you could take the best of the best of each record that the fans love and that the band really, really enjoys and put together a solid concert with those three records. Yeah. And that would be, I mean, especially coming from 22 years later, people would, I know, I know, people would just love to hear some of those songs live. One hopes. And uh, yeah, oh, that'd yeah. be awesome. I hope you guys get to do that. By the way, as you're saying, this uh, Rhapsody of Blues playing in the background, that's yeah. a piece that we just decided to play on the 2008 tour yeah never recorded it and uh during this album i was really glad when the guys said hey let's record that re -re well record it because it's just uh, encompasses a lot of what this band can do 
And it, in my sense, it does justice to the Gershwin composition. And we're doing a cover. Oh, my God. But that's a good one because it goes in a million different places. Oh, that yeah. Piece. And I feel as there's liquid tension. And I feel like we could do it justice. And it's got the piano stuff Jordan's playing. And, and also for me personally, some of my, my fans or people who talk to me about liking my music aren't so captivated by the fast uh, metal stuff that we do in this band. And this is like a gateway drug. I feel like we've got them because they're, they're all hearing this and they're saying, oh, I like that. And, and then they're able to, in my opinion, or my hopes, uh, listen to one of our maybe gentler pieces that we've composed and kind of start getting into the, the fact that we don't just do that fast, heavy stuff. We do other stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. As That's I'm cool. hearing right now. Yep. I, I have to yeah. know this. The, we just listened to that bass fill that's right in the middle of Rhapsody in Blue. That sounds very similar to the very beginning of Elephant Talk. Is that on purpose? <laughs> I, I have to know. Yeah, I, I threw in the riff as a joke. Yeah. Now <laughs> was, you know. that's as soon as I heard it, I, I, I messaged that's through, fun. and I was like, dude, did you hear that? That sounded like the beginning of Elephant Talk. And so that's it awesome. Is. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I Even the tone myself, and everything. Yeah. Well, same key. Yeah. I, have, I found myself in A. I had to do it. That's amazing. Well, I, I, I love... Rhapsody in Blue, it's interesting that you mentioned that, that you think that's that's an important track for, for the reasons you just stated. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, it reminds me, I love it when, when groups do this, especially prog rock groups, when they'll take something that's a classical composition and they'll kind of make their own version of it. It reminds me it a lot of- It is a tradition, of, isn't it? Yeah, it reminds me a lot. The first thing I think of is, is you know, ELP, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, when they're doing stuff like Toccata and Hoedown and stuff like that. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm yeah. curious, back in 2008, why the choice of Rhapsody in Blue as opposed to anything else? Whose idea was it first? Was it just the fevered, cool. the fevered brain of Mike Portnoy? He, oh. he only said it to us maybe maybe a week. We had a one week tour, seven day tour, and then about a week before it, it seems to me in my memory, he sent us all an email saying, "What if we do Rhapsody in Blue?" And I thought that's that's a chore for me to learn it. But how about Jordan? It's a piano concerto. Oh He's yeah, saying, yeah. We just learned this piano concerto. And we have two days to rehearse together because we weren't together at that time. Like Dream Theater was on. Two days to rehearse and we're going to change it. It's not like learn it. Okay, we'll play it. Yeah. We're going to make it our piece. So, uh, Mike. That's that's hilarious. Yeah, That's hilarious. Let's, so quick. <laughs> the, the capacity for tremendously hard work that those other three guys in the band have. I think of myself as kind of a hard worker, but when I'm around them, I try to just have it rub off on me a little bit because they'll work just <laughs> nonstop on stuff. I was really interested uh, <laughs> with the Chris and Kevin backstory that, that we, we, we had read a little blurb somewhere <laughs> that there was a photographer, right? And he just mixed up. He didn't, he didn't know your names, you, you and Mike. And is, that's how the, the name Chris and Kevin, those alter egos were, were birthed. <laughs> Wow, I don't know. That that would be back in the first album, right, or the second album? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yes, yeah, the wrong guy. So, yeah. I had no idea. Uh, to me, <clears throat> when we we pretty intensely make up all this album, all this music, uh, compose it as a group, and record it at the same time. So it's, it's right. things are moving fast and a lot of stuff going on, and and we you just name it like song one, okay, and then the next being is song two. So a typical thing for any band. For me, uh, they remain song one, song two, not Rhapsody in Blue. Okay, that's different. But So the naming of the pieces comes way later. And often I lag behind it. I'm still thinking of it as song four, you know what I mean? Like even when we're on tour and somebody has to remind me about it. So anything uh, Chris and Kevin's 
whatever. Frankly, I still don't know what I think of is me and Mike jamming on this album. It's called yeah. Chris and Kevin something or other. I haven't looked carefully at what it's called. And that's a reference to something that happened that I didn't know about 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. I guess it's going to be a song in the album then. I, I, I have no idea what it is, but we'll just, we'll just roll with it. So. Right. Well, when you, also, when we, do, when we do the jams, I mean, I think that night, uh, John and Jordan had something else to do, or maybe they were in a business meeting elsewhere in the studio. And Mike and I were like, okay, let's play. And he played something that I, I had in that booth. I had a bunch of basses, and I had brought the NS electric upright that sounds like, a, I think it's somewhere behind you. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I could tell. I could hear that. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's and, an electric upright. It's the wrong bass to bring to Liquid Tension album. <laughs> but I just had room in my car. I thought, I'll bring it. He played something, and I looked at the bass, and there was a bow that I had brought not intending to play it and that's who I started playing it and he I could tell from what he played he dug that and it got really it turned left musically is, is what, the way we put it it got went really out and I thought all right give me the bow and I'll just do these things that you can do with the bow that are more noise than uh, music and it became what it is and, and yeah. surprised me surprised us glad I had that bass there well uh, that's the good thing about improvising is you, you're always surprising yourself and things that can happen things can happen that weren't things you planned or maybe aren't things that you could have planned yeah now how yeah. appropriate that that experiment sense. is in the band name yeah. like tension experiment because this is just a perfect example of that yeah. <laughs> just try this out wonderful why not <laughs> that's great one more question Please. here as we uh as we close down here I, I read in an interview with mike portnoy that the deal with inside out music was to do two records and so I just wanted to know if you guys have a plan for LTE4, if that is something that you're looking to do, or we don't have to wait 22 years for that, hopefully. <laughs> but I just wanted to know your insight I'm, on that. I'm exactly like you. I hope there's more coming soon. And exactly like you, I don't know what the deal is. I haven't read the, I haven't read the thing. So uh, <laughs> I, I think we're loving this and we're glad to have it out. And, and we, there will be more. And I'm, I'm not sure of the fine print, but uh, I'm, right. I'm like you. I'm like you guys. I'm a fan of the band. That's awesome. That's great. That's wonderful. Thank you, Tony, for being here with us. Thank we really so enjoy much. having you. Thank you, guys. I hope we get to do it again. I'm sorry I didn't have more time, but I, I really appreciate your expertise and and you've done your homework and you know all this more about the, the record than I do. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> well, it was it was a real pleasure. It's been it's been wonderful, yeah. and we're we're a big fan of all of your stuff previous, and so the fact that we got to talk to you about this record was just wonderful. It was, it was fantastic. Absolute Thank you. Treat. We look yeah. forward to LTE four. Hopefully the tour, hopefully we get to see you on tour. That's that's the hope. But we would like to thank everybody for listening to our podcast. These are our prog notes for Liquid Tension Experiment 3. If you enjoyed the episode, learned something new from the episode, please subscribe. We would also love it if you considered becoming a patron to help keep us going. Conversation does not have to stop here, though, as well. In this episode's description, you can join our Discord server, which is just a chat server for all prog rock fans and fans of the show. You can also follow us on Instagram and or Facebook. Once again, all these links are in this episode's description. Liquid Tension Experiment 3 is now available in several formats. Several, guys. It's, it's a lot. Like, you can get a limited, deluxe, hot pink, 3LP, 2CD, Blu-ray, you name it. It's it's on there. There's an art book. You can get a digit pack. You can get a gatefold black with two LPs and a CD. You can just get the digital album. Go buy it. There's several different ways that you can get it. The link to that I'll also drop in the episode's description as well. And before we close out, Drew, why don't you go ahead and let us know what the next episode is going to be. Yeah, yeah. May 15th, we're going to be reviewing an album called From Silence to Somewhere. It's by a Norwegian prog band called Wobbler. 
And the hope is that they'll actually be joining us for that episode. So that'll be really fun. Yeah. Become a patron so that you can get the episode early and also get the video format of the episode. Exactly. Thank you, Tony, once again. Really appreciate having you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Join us next time as we discover the past, present, and future of Prague Rock. We'll see you guys on Discord. Thank you.